Rob. Spencer. What's going on, buddy? Good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. Uh, always good to talk with you, dude, because uh, we always have great conversations. We always have great UFO stories to bring to the table. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just like talk shit about movies. That was fun when we talked shit about the fourth kind. It was great. Hell yeah. <laughs> I We need to maybe do a uh, a meltdown like part two on all the to the stars stuff at some oh, yeah. point now that it's like dead for the yeah. most part <laughs> now that or it's you, an entertainment company yeah yeah it's back to selling merch for tom delong's bands and not pretending that they're going to build ufo time machines anymore but but hey man you know what angels and airwaves they got new music coming out <laughs> <laughs> we can roast that too that's fine we, we can do both Listen, you know, I, I got to dust off that Boxcar Racer album because I really haven't listened to that since like wow. 2002 and, uh, you know, vinyl reprints out there now. And uh, <laughs> I remember the first Angels and Airwaves album and I'm like, all right, this is this is all right. Not what I'm used to. But, uh, you know, uh, what was what was emo Rob listening to back in the day? He had a really eclectic taste for emo and okay. it, it was pretty all over the place. But, uh, you know. I think that was definitely on the weirder spectrum of stuff, Angels and Airwaves. We need somebody to figure out a proper way of licensing music for podcasts so that we can mm -hmm. actually listen to and discuss music on a podcast. It's a damn shame that that's so hard to do. It is, uh, especially it when be it's that hard. Yeah, especially when it's like the record labels themselves that are being dicks about it. I mean, they already underpay their artists when it comes to sales and all this shit. Oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta make up for it uh, up up front because you you know have to pay for all the recording and shit. But uh, still, yeah, except except no one. The outcome is then just no one is using music on podcasts because no one wants to pay major labels. $10,000 to use 20 seconds of a boxcar racer song. <laughs> it's just, it, it's just not going to happen instead. There was uh, a mini sode I did. Uh, it was uh, about this uh, one, this guy, Johnny Sands, and he had this uh, UFO encounter this uh, he, and he like had this, this weird encounter with these aliens that were like, they almost look had like a Rankin Bass kind of look to them of like, uh, okay. you know, back in the day, claymation kind of, uh, you know, cartoon yeah. quality to them. Love and, that. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining penguins, but go on. <laughs> and like, I ended up using one of his songs because he wrote a song about it and I just threw it on the end. I'm like, it's Johnny Sands. He doesn't give a shit about me. I'll just throw it on there. And like, he's not listening to my podcast. Yeah. No, he ain't listening to my podcast. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you get a little brave with it. Sometimes you don't. But, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we've tried a few things and gotten away with some and not gotten away with others. Yeah. But. I remember when you did that bas back masking episode and they got you for uh, that on YouTube. I remember. Well, that. everybody but Prince was apparently cool with it. <laughs> Prince from Beyond the Grave was still protecting his copyright. It's so, amazing how um, they're like they're like hawks on YouTube. They they they're like on top of it, but like you a know, lot of it's got to be automated too. Yeah, oh, most definitely. It's like yeah, we got the software out there. It's listening for our music, and yeah. the moment we see it, now pull that. Yeah. All right, let's talk about aliens because you told me you have nine pages of notes for this story tonight. So let's just get right right after it. I always overdo it, man. I always overdo it. But... You know, all gas, no brakes, baby. 
you're gonna do it do it that's how we do so uh from the late 1970s to the early 1980s italy was the location of an intense ufo flap that just included these strange ufo sightings mixed with humanoids uh and an abduction and um the events begin to around 1977 um and and it starts with the sighting of this large craft over a nato base in uh, northern italy at uh, 3 a.m on july 1st 1977 uh, in the northern town of aviano a strange object that looked like a disc or a spinning top was seen hovering over an area called victor alert where uh two planes were being stored in this like giant bunker uh, and it was spotted by a U.S. soldier at the time, a guy named uh, James Blake, which I absolutely love his music. It's great uh, <laughs> that he was, uh, you know, doing that in the 80s. But <laughs> um, air traffic uh, around the base was just entirely shut down um, because they were making preparations for an air parade on uh, the Sunday, July 3rd. And the base that radar operator adorable. who was off was called back to duty to monitor the object. And it hovered. Uh, stationary about 330 feet in the air for over an hour. And uh, this thing was fucking huge. It was like 170 feet in diameter, and it was emitting this, like, you know, usual humming sound that UFOs seem to emit. And they uh, described it as um, being like a swarm of bees, which, uh, nope, getting the fuck out of there. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Wait, you said this was 77? Is that what you said? Yep. So there, there shouldn't have been anything that could have hovered in one spot for an hour in 1977, right? No. Not that size, at least? No. Like, even... We, we tried the, the UFO thing. The, the flying pancake just didn't work out. There's, like, patents for other things, and, and not just the recent Navy stuff that they've been working on, but there are, like, other patents that the Navy has of, like, circular craft, like... Yeah. It did not work out uh, at all. So um, NATO did a, a complete investigation of this and determined that, quote, the phenomenon must be attributed to a reflection of the moon on some low clouds. But it sounds like a swarm of bees. Yeah, it sounds re- like a swarm re- of the bees. The reflection sounds like a swarm of bees. Hell yeah. Hell Got it. Got yeah. It. Uh, so, um, there was an additional eyewitness to this, a guy named, uh, Benito Manfrey. He was off duty at the time. He lived a few miles away from the base, but, uh, he grabbed his pistol, uh, because he heard his dog, his dog was just going nuts. He goes out to his veranda to see what it is. And he's, you know, miles away, he could see this bright object over the base and, um, he was Sorry, just this like, was an, an American Air Force base? It was a NATO a, base, so I mean, NATO it was base. shared okay. by a, a bunch it. of different militaries. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, he called to his wife to have her come see it, but she refused and just went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> He's out shooting the moon again. <laughs> And go blast some celestial objects yep. every night he's out there. Oh, yeah, man. That's, that's how we do. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the, the sightings would then ramp up uh, into 78. And, and one of my favorites is uh, one from a guy named Anbel- Angelo D'Ambrose. He was gathering firewood in the forests of Galeo, Italy, 
uh, on the morning of November 24th, 1978. And he noticed that two strange beings were just like standing beside him. They just appeared out of nowhere and just standing right there. Tight. Did yeah. they help? <laughs> help gather up some kindling? Yeah. Fucking hey, dude. What do you need? We got you. <laughs> you guys still use fire? It's <laughs> cool vintage, huh? Oh, vintage fuck yeah, heat. dude. I, I love this. We're nostalgic for it. <laughs> So each being was approximately four feet tall, and they had this like sickly yellow skin, dark clothing, pear-shaped heads with long <laughs> with long ears and uh, deep sunken eyes. So, damn, yeah, <laughs> those boys ugly. <laughs> and in fact, they dubbed them the rat-faced humanoids. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. <laughs> but like Rat, they they definitely had the tusk thing going on. It was great. Uh, it was it okay. was great. I'm trying to imagine a pear-shaped head. So, like, it's it's real wide at the bottom, down by the jaw, and then it gets smaller as it goes up? Yeah, pretty much. That's terrible. I, I'll also send you... I'll, inefficient. I'll post the pictures of the the uh, uh, artist's rendition of it. It's pretty, it's pretty great. They kind of have a... They kind of resemble the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins a little bit. Huh. Only Just more... All... Yeah, they're more terrifying. Just way more terrifying, man. All jaw, no brains. Yeah, Just... pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, one of the beings started to just circle around Angelo and is making some weird ass noises. And then the other attempted to grab. Uh, he had a bill hook in his hand that he was using to chop down trees. And uh, Angelo was like pulling back immediately. So one of the aliens touches him on the arm and it sends this electrical shock throughout his body. No, sir. No. No, no thank you. No. So the being then just really tried to force that uh, bill hook out of his hands. But is that what's what is a bill hook? Is that like a it's a, it's kind of like a really thick machete that has a that's curved on the end of it. Okay. So you can take down like small trees and stuff with it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh so Angelo just raised it up, and these beings started floating through the, this forest, <laughs> and he starts chasing them. Wait, uh, how do you... Okay, so not floating up, but, like, hovering, yeah. but moving away from... Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It. Just, like, they're hovering, like, maybe two feet off the ground, just, like, dog moving in between the trees. And he's chasing them with a machete. Yes. Uh, Perfect. I love it. He chases them for a little bit, and eventually there's, like, uh, a clearing... That has this disc-shaped craft on the ground. It was approximately 12 feet wide. And uh, the beings just, like, got in it really quickly through, like, a trap door on the bottom. It shut. Thing, like, shot red flames from the bottom and then just disappeared. Hmm. So, things why, are... Why do beings who can appear out of nowhere always need doors? So... I just released an episode about this really insane set of abductions that happened between these five ladies. And uh, I did it with my buddy Rich Adam. And uh, we were talking about, like, why are these experiences, um, when they describe them, they seem almost metaphysical. They're dreamlike. They don't even seem like they're occurring in the same reality. And yet there's, like, some physical element to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's just a way for the the person to interpret it because 
it just seems like in every in every case the witness is left with something so if you're going down to their level and you you're trying to do something with them or you're trying to communicate or whatever it it just seems like they have to dumb it down so much for us that uh you know it's we're these physical beings and uh we we have to show up in these ships to make it seem like we come from a physical place. I'm getting I'm getting way out yeah. there, man. I'm getting way out no, there. I think that makes sense and there would probably be some amount of our brain trying to process things that it can't actually process, right? So we're we're trying to like find a category to put it in, but we don't have one. So right. something that may not be a door reads as a door because that's the only way that our brain can Mm-hmm. make sense of it yeah exactly and like even with abduction accounts and uh you know you talk about like people having physical marks and stuff like that or like mm-hmm. if your body is really or your soul or whatever your mind is leaving your body and it's going to another place well there's got to be something that interprets that so obviously for us it's the body the body has to interpret it, you know what you're experiencing and if it has to do that well it's going to try to rationalize it in whatever terms that you can so you have these accounts of people on uh spaceships and talking to beings and things seem a little logical up there but they somehow managed to divide their hierarchy into height which is very strange i i don't get that like you know you got your three foot tall ones these are the medial like workers you got the slightly taller ones that you know seem to be doing a little more advanced things and then you got the one that's like seven inches taller than the tallest ones and uh he's in charge so <laughs> look if you simple it's like uh steve jobs wearing like the same shirt every day right or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that yep. myth is if you simplify all organization societal organization by height you can make huge scientific uh, like le- you, your your science grows by leaps and bounds because yeah. all that other shit is just off your plate. Yeah, he's tallest. He's in charge. Let's go. Yep, that's that's just how it has to be. That's that's how it goes. Like that's how right. they were designed. You you're tall. You get you know the keys to the ship. That's the way yeah. it works. And it has a door, even though you float. Sorry, <laughs> exactly. it's just the way it, it is. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So, sorry. The the, the craft takes off. Yeah, in a, and, in a blaze of of fire. And the thing is, is like these reports are making like the the media in Italy. They're in the papers. You got investigators coming out. Uh, the most traumatic uh, set of encounters happened to a guy named Pierre Fortunato Zanfreda. And uh, Zanfretta, in uh, 1978, he uh, he was a security guard. He was like a private security guard, which was like a really prestigious position to have in Italy. You know, he got paid well. Uh, he's kind of like slightly below what a cop would be in Italy. And uh, okay. December 6, 1978, he's on patrol in uh, Toriglia. And uh, he's... Um, basically just driving around these uh villas that are owned by you know really prestigious people doctors uh and uh people that make a lot of money and uh he um he approaches this villa that's owned by a guy named uh dr etor rigi and uh when he does his car cuts out 
doesn't know why. But uh, he looks over toward his villa and you can see four distinct lights moving around in his garden. Uh, Rigi wasn't there at the time. I think this was like a summer place for him or something like that. But uh, he was just he, he was believing that a gang of thieves were about to like loot um, the house. Uh, so he'd like sprang into action and, you know, it's like secret agent. He's creeping around along the wall, just like, you know, bent down. He's got his flashlight and his gun. And um, as he's um, as he's like moving along, he can feel he feels this hand on his shoulder. Oh, no. Yeah. So no he spins around. And he sees this strange 10 foot tall being. <laughs> it's too big. Yeah. That is it, too big. It's way too big. <laughs> it's it's green with wrinkled skin and yellowed eyes. Um, Did he have a pear shaped head though? Uh, well, how, how does his head look? Uh, his head, like, it's, uh, you know, really big head with flared ends on it and um, just. Ah, the, the scariest looking goddamn aliens that you'd ever want to see. So Zanfretta, you know, scared out of his mind, drops his flashlight, um, you know, quickly snatches it up. He sprints back to his car. But before he can reach it, a searing bright light just appears behind him and he feels this rush of heat. And uh, when he turns around, there's a triangular craft like just slightly above him it's like really flying incredibly low almost to the height of the villa and um it's making this dull hissing sound so zanfreda he continues to run and just before he reaches the car he's hit with an enormous blast of hot air uh you know which knocks him to the ground basically you know kind of the same thing that stefan mikolak was hit with is that the uh, fucking the Canadian guy who got burns on his chest? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, UFOs farting on people. This is a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we do, we can't be doing this. Stop it. The guy had to go to the Mayo Clinic for that for crying out loud. But yeah, mm. he's hit with this just blast of hot air, knocks him to the ground, and he you know he's scram scrambling to his feet. He manages to get back to his car long enough to grab his radio, and he. Um, sends a message to a guy named Carlo Tocolino. He's the radio operator for the company that he works for. And like Sanfred is like incoherent practically, but um, he was calling. Yeah, uh, he was calling for help. But uh, uh, before, you know, he could confirm anything, the radio just died on him. So Carlo radioed in two of his co-workers, uh, Walter Luria and Raimondo Messia. And about an hour later, they found Zanfreda lying on the frozen ground immediately next to the villa. So as these two men approached, Zanfreda just jumped up and pointed his gun and flashlight at him. And uh, he was uh, screaming at the top of his lungs. So, yeah. This is like the most reasonable UFO encounter reaction I've ever heard. Yeah. I passed out, and then the next people I saw, I screamed and pointed a gun at them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. That all checks out. So they uh, basically rush him, take his gun from him, uh, and um, when they touched him, they noticed that he was incredibly hot, and like around this time in oh, Italy, yeah. it, it gets very cold, <laughs> oh. very, very cold. So, 
the two men basically brought him home and uh, Sanfreda just struggled to fall asleep. So the next day, Sanfreda gets a knock on his door and it's the commandant of the Carabinieri, which is essentially the Italian military police. I didn't understand any of those words. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I pronounced them right, but uh, I'm trying. Could have fooled me. <laughs> so this guy, his name is uh, Antonio Nuki. He's um, he, he's always been good friends with Zanfretta for a long time. He convinces him to come back to the site with him, though he was like very hesitant. He's like, no, I don't want to go back out there. So yeah, no shit. <laughs> bro, an, bro, an alien spaceship farted on me there yesterday. No, I, I do not want to go back. I'm no. good. No, I'll we're stay done here. right here at home, please. We're, we're done here. Uh, good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you you go get farted on. I'm fine right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he essentially, you know, agrees and they go out there. They retrace their steps around Rigi's villa um, uh, to the points where he saw the lights and the tall beings. And curiously set into the ground behind the villa are two circular depressions. They measure about nine feet across and they're in the shape of a horseshoe. Each? Yeah, they're giant. That's huge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, further investigation by the Carabinieri showed that one of the doors to the villa had been broken into, though they didn't say that anything was missing at the time. Uh, so Zanfretta's encounter goes on to make the press. It was huge. And uh, he was hounded by journalists, skeptics who prank phone called him a lot. Um, though this there is still late 70s? Yep, 78. Or, okay. 78. Uh and uh, the only guy that seemed to believe him was a journalist named Reno Stefano. And uh, if you go on like YouTube or you check out his website, he's like the, it's the thing that he's known most for. He has footage of a uh, hypnosis session that uh, Zanfretta did and uh, a little bit later that we'll talk about. But um, he was he, he wrote a book about it and he was the kind of guy that was uh, championing. Zanfretta, and he basically convinced him to undergo hypnosis like almost immediately after his encounter. It was like a few weeks later, but uh, they found a, a, a hypnotherapist named Dr. Mauro Moretti, who um, conducted the first hypnosis session on December 23rd. And under hypnosis, Zanfretta recalled being abducted during the missing hour and taken to a location that he remembers being incredibly warm and bright. He also recalled having conversations with the large green beings he encountered who spoke to him through some kind of translation helmet they placed on his head. That's fun. Yeah. Um, the, I've never heard that one before. The, uh, that image I sent to you in the, in the DM, mm -hmm. that's the helmet. All right, I'm going to take another look at this real quick. It's, it's terrifying to look at. Like, I don't <laughs> like that image at all. <laughs> I mean, anyone putting a helmet onto your head for you is is not great. No. Oh, yeah, that sucks. That's yeah. more than just a helmet. I didn't even... Jesus, those aliens are terrible, too. Yeah. So yeah. they're these... They look like if Dr. Seuss drew some evil bastards who are really tall and look sort of like angry Christmas trees. That's fair. That's a completely fair uh, description of them. Are surrounding a man strapped to a board and there's like a huge uh illuminated halo all the way around his head and then they're like forcing some sort of colander down over his head yep 
And then there's some sort of device in front of him that looks like it's generating heat, maybe. There's yep. like a big uh, jet turbine looking thing pointed at his crotch. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> Everything about this sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair. That's awful. So, um, yeah, they, they use this translation helmet. They tell him that they are from the, quote, third, gra- third galaxy and that they will be returning to Earth soon in greater numbers. The third galaxy. Damn, that's they were early adopters of galaxies. Yeah, they were. <laughs> that's <laughs> what number galaxy are you out of billions? Three. Yeah, three. We were third. Three. Yeah. Uh, you know, when cool. you go to uh, the deli and you got to pull that number. We were early. <laughs> Damn. Okay. So they said they would be back. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he has many subsequent encounters. And they and here's the thing. They all seem to be at work. Most of them. And wait, wait what does that mean? Every single like one of is, them like happens their... to him. Like when he is on patrol in a certain oh, spot. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, got it. Got like, it. Got it. This I thought dude... you meant like that. This was the alien's job was to just <laughs> bug the fuck out of this this one Italian guy. Oh, believe me, you're going to find out what these aliens, their purpose are and everything. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Before we get to that, we got to take a quick break to talk about better help. I'm a firm believer that everyone could benefit from therapy, but it's been harder than ever lately to get started with a new therapist, to keep regular therapy appointments, um, to feel motivated to do something to improve yourself. But it's actually super easy to get started with therapy. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash what if, and they, they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in as little as 24 hours. They have iOS and Android apps. You can schedule weekly meetings. You can do phone or video sessions. And you can send private a private message to your counselor at any time without ever having to go to an office or sit in a waiting room or interact with other human beings. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, trauma, LGBT matters, and a whole lot of other things. It's convenient, professional, and affordable, and anything you share is completely confidential. So go to betterhelp.com slash what if today and use promo code what if to get 10% off your first month of therapy. All right, back to the alien stories. Three days after uh, the hypnosis session, Zamfreda has the second encounter and it's on a rainy December night. Uh, he was on patrol near a mountain tunnel between the towns of Bargagli and Ferrier. Uh, when his car entered this just like huge thick fog covered everything. Classic. Loses, yeah. Just totally classic. Fifties uh, kind of shit here. Mm-hmm. Um, he loses control of the vehicle, but it's as if another force has taken control of it. Here we go. Zanfreda struggles to regain control of the vehicle, but the car just doesn't respond to him. He he attempts to contact the dispatcher again, uh, but this time um, the car no radio. Has, Let me guess, no radio. No radio. Uh, Cue the bright lights. <laughs> the car is uh, inside a mountain now, so uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, aliens uh, can control it through a mountain, so that's great. Uh, I mean, what's you, you got all the way from Galaxy Three? What's a mountain? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. 
They, they transverse billions of galaxies. They, they're not going to be stopped by some rocks. No, no, not at all. So he finally exits this tunnel, and Zanfretta sends this frantic message to the dispatcher. But uh, just a few seconds later, he loses contact, amazingly. And uh, he still doesn't have control of the vehicle, so the car maneuvers itself a short distance to the side of the road. And that's well, when I mean, he... That's- that's yeah. considerate, at least. Yeah, uh, it, uh, these these aliens are good drivers. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, they understand what farmers is and uh, mad respect. Yeah. Mad respect. Don't want to fuck up your premiums. You no. Know? no, no, no. They're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> so he's then hit with a blinding light. The interior begins hey, to heat up. You knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. But Zanfreda finds himself to be calm. He picks up the radio and says, the car has stopped. I saw a bright light. Now I am getting out. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm literally getting cooked. Yeah. The, the aliens are microwaving my ass presently. Yes. Please help. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, I want to say like another hour or two before anybody can make it to him. But they find his vehicle by the side of the road and his headlights are still on. Uh, Emmanuel Travanzoli spotted uh, Zanfretta running frantically in a field nearby his car, just in complete terror. And I gotta they, say, this guy's reactions are on point. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah. He is, like, terrified throughout most of this. Yeah. But, um, this man is, is, his emotional responses are very appropriate. All I can think of now is like, because they're gonna, they're gonna chase after him. All I can think of is like some zany chase sequence with some like wacky ass music chasing a guy through a field trying to tackle him. It's just wait. So he's just running around through a field. They don't see anyone or anything else. It's just a dude running around through a field screaming. Yep. Uh, yeah. He is uh, when they finally like tackle him to the ground. He's like shaking, crying, babbling incoherently. And like it had been raining the entire time. His clothes were completely dry, completely dry. It was raining when they tackled him. What? Yes. His clothes were completely dry. And while standing like while standing in the rain, he just wasn't getting wet. Yes. Hmm. And his that's pretty weird. His head above his ears was hot to the touch. Like, I mean, if we got a fever guy, going on here, yeah, huh? my guy could have just had a fever, right? Uh, you would think, but um, like they maybe, were maybe he's so hot that all of the all the precipitation is just like instantly evaporating off of him. Yeah, you know, I I mean, like he's just 20, running a fever. He's running a fever of like two fifteen, and anytime any of the rain hits him, it's just instantly steam. That's science, right there. Just, That's just science. fresh. Fresh steam press from head to toe because my guy's temperature is two and a half times what it should be. I, all I can hear is that sound or is that damn, that's just science, you know? <laughs> yeah, I haven't hit any buttons. I've been listening uh, to your story too fine. much. Sorry. That's fine. So <laughs> through his incoherence, Zanfretta utters these words, quote, they say I must leave with them. What about my children? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So oh, he had kids too. That sucks. Yeah. So, um, not, it doesn't suck that he had kids. It sucks that a guy <laughs> yeah, responsible that, for children was getting stolen all the time. So, uh, Travis Zoli didn't know what the fuck to do. So he called 
the Carabinieri again, and they arrived. They started conducting an investigation, and they found that the hood of Zanfretta's car was like incredibly hot. And again, it was raining. Um, and I mean, like, and you said it was December. Yes, very cold. So it was not warm out. No, no. Got it. Italy's northern hemisphere, right? December uh, is winter. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> yeah, much. Okay. Uh, so like the cars. Uh, the hood was hot. The car's interior was hot. Um, the heat was not on in his car, from what I can understand. Um, hmm. On the outside uh, of the vehicle, right around uh, like the car door, they found extremely large boot prints, 20 inches long by 8, eight uh, inches wide. Jesus. And, and like for reference, you know, Robert Wadlow, he was the tallest man ever, like 8 feet, whatever. Eight mm-hmm. feet eleven, I think. Um, his shoe size was a thirty-seven double A, and his feet were only slightly larger than the feet that were around uh, the car. He was a thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. That's absurd. Yep. I I think the largest, the largest footed human being I've seen was like a twenty-something. Yeah. And it doesn't look real. No, well, like I mean a, like. A, Looking at pictures of Robert Wadlow, the dude just doesn't seem like a real human being. I, hold on. <laughs> how <laughs> men say, I don't even know how to ask this question. What is, like, what in shoe size would a 20-inch footprint be? You that's know, like, good, how does shoe size equate to actual inches? Um, or, or, that's a good question, man. I don't know on this uh, one. Shoe size in inches? Do they have a table? <laughs> yes. Okay. So a, a U.S. size 16, that's as high as this chart goes, is only 12 and a half inches. So every, it looks like every inch is roughly three shoe sizes. Okay. Approximately. Gotcha. So if we're going another eight inches above that that's another 20 that's like a size 40 shoe (laughs) what the fuck got some big ass feet dude that is (laughs) to be fair almost that's like almost four times as long as my foot yeah to be fair these aliens were 10 feet tall i mean you know yeah but like (laughs) if i gained four feet in height my foot quadruples in size? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. That's still going to be a fucking flipper, even yeah. if you're that tall. Yeah, dude. Well, you gotta you gotta support that. You gotta support that A-frame. You know, gotta I support guess. it. <laughs> I don't know the physics of that, but that seems that seems large. Oh yeah, large in charge, all that good stuff. <laughs> okay. Damn, so they also. <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm gonna hit one button all show, and it's gonna be a damn that boy big (laughs) with a bunch of reverb on it. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, continue. Uh, They also found a section of uprooted plants with long, treadless grooves in a semicircle a short distance from the car. Wait, 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 wait. Long, treadless grooves? What does that mean? I think what they're saying is like. In the ground, there were these treadless grooves. Like the way that it was like uh, written, it just it was very 
strangely worded, but I think what they're saying is like in the ground in a semicircle were these like huge treadless grooves. Okay. And, and the plants had been uprooted in that area? Yep. Yep. Um, the bullets in Zanfretta's gun had all been fired, though he could not recall doing so. He was Yikes. taken. He was That's taken. Not to, good. <laughs> no, no, it's not good at all, man. Uh, he was taken to the local hospital where Doctor Giorgio Giannotti. Saluculos. Yeah, uh, oh. I I thought the same thing, man. <laughs> I thought the same thing when I saw that. He determined that he was in a state of shock, but otherwise perfectly sane. Uh, that can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> that seems like. Something is going on with this dude, whether it's alien induced or otherwise. If you you can't be running around in a field shooting at things and not remembering it and be quote fine. Yeah. There's um there was this case from the eighties um called the uh Gulf Breeze abductions. Mm-hmm. It involved this guy Ed Walters. He had um uh, the, the way he had framed his story, he made it seem like he was fighting off these aliens every other day. Uh, they were coming to abduct him. And that he was sucks. just. Yeah. At one point, uh, he basically said that it was un-American to actually abduct him. It was great. Um, I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, those aliens were un-American. So it's a uh, violation of my freedom by non-American entities. Yep. Um, Ed had he, a point. The, if you read the book, because I sent you, I I think those were among the books that I sent you. Yeah. Um, if you read them, he's like this guy's like flying off the handle every like two seconds. He uh, he just seems like um, what did I call him? Because I did episodes on him. He's the um, patriotic abductor or the patriotic Oof. experiencer because he's Oof. just like like uber right wing and everything. But. Uh, he Neat. goes to see this um, psychologist and a hypnotist named uh, Dan Overlaid. And um, he, Dan Overlaid at one point, because he wasn't happy with the, uh, the standards with which you were um, certified as a uh, psychologist in F- Florida, went through and- the process to show how ridiculous it was by registering his hamster as a licensed psychologist. Hmm. Um, on the paperwork, it said FH overlaid for fuzzy hamster overlaid. So, uh, you know, sure, sure. But when he was making his determination of Ed Walters, the main um, experiencer in that case, he talked about how he was like level headed and everything. And I'm like, that's not what he's telling you in the books. He's telling you that he's flying off the handle like every two seconds. That's not level headed. The guy's running outside right. with a gun trying to shoot at UFOs. You're telling me that's level headed. And it would be one thing to be like, he is otherwise, like when not experiencing this, he is otherwise level-headed. Yeah. But if if you're taking a broad view of this person, like for whatever reason, mental health or alien abduction or other, something's <laughs> happening that is not super stable, it doesn't seem like. No, not stable at all. But... um so the Carabinieri, they did their uh, investigation. They released the report. And uh, one thing that they found was that there were actually several items missing from Dr. Rigi's villa. Uh, and they included two taxidermied birds. So there were gaps in Zanfretta's memory again related Wait. to this incident. 
So you know that uh, that he's going to get some uh, hypnosis here. So, hold, hold on, can we go back to the the birds for a second? Sure, sure. There were a bunch of items missing, and it included two birds, or there were only two birds missing. There were a bunch of items, but like the main highlight were two taxidermied birds. Like the other things were just like small, insignificant things, didn't really matter. But these two taxidermied what? birds just stood out. And you're gonna find I, out I why. Okay, I was gonna say I don't know much about taxidermy, but like a taxidermied bird is not particularly valuable, right? No. Nope. Okay. Sorry, so, keep going. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Um so Dr. Moretti conducts this second uh hypnosis session and uh in this low audible whisper, Zanfreda recalls being brought on board a craft and subjected to medical tests by the large green aliens. And despite having advanced technology, the being seemed confused as to how his gun functioned and discharged. Well, it was out of bullets. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> they discharged all of the rounds into oh. this strange material on the ship. But the weird there thing was, the weird thing was. He didn't hear a sound when they were shooting the gun at all when he was in there. Mm. So <clears throat> the helmet was put on him again, and yeah, apparently it just caused, it caused him incredible pain every time they used it. The environment on the craft was hot and bright, and he played with these creatures not to take him to their planet. So in the third galaxy, yeah, in the third galaxy, doesn't want to go. Totally understand. Do we um, get a, a planet name at any point or oh, like a, a star oh, system at least? We're going to get a name for these aliens and one of them actually has a name too. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So um, we have a better description now of the aliens. They are more than 10 feet tall with green skin, luminous yellow eyes shaped like triangles and what the appeared eyes to, are shaped like triangles or yes. the whole being is shaped well, like I a think, triangle I, I think it's more like the iris uh is shaped like a triangle because like the eyes don't hmm. look necessarily like they're entirely like a triangle but i could be wrong on that um okay he, they he has they have what appear to be red veins showing through their forehead sharp protrusions protrusions jut out on the sides of their face and their skin is wrinkly around the neck they have some kind of mechanical device over the mouth their arms and legs are normal though their fingers end in long nails with something circular on the ends and regarding their feet he only remembers that they are huge <laughs> fair mm -hmm. <laughs> size 40s so around this time in ufology we're right before like the abduction stuff kind of takes off it doesn't take off until about 1987 but you get the first <laughs> layers of it in 1981 bud hopkins releases missing time which is the first book to kind of put forth the patterns that you see in most abduction cases the missing time stuff like the physical marks on bodies and you know like the people claiming that they uh were taken on board crafts stuff like that uh, i mean it wasn't entirely unheard of you know betty barney hill pascagoula there it's were High profile abductions, but like they weren't they weren't necessarily like hugely mainstream. Like Travis Walton's made the press, but then it just like died down afterwards when he came back. How Nobody many cared. The Hills did 
hypnosis sessions, right? Mm-hmm. With Dr. Benjamin Simon. Yep. Yeah. Were there a lot of other hypnosis abduction sessions pre Hopkins and they just weren't like well publicized or was that more rare? There were some, the 80s. some researchers conducting them there. Uh, the main guy um, within the UFO world was a, a guy named uh, Leo Sprinkle. And after hearing <laughs> about awesome the awesome name. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, uh, after reading the, um, the accounts of Betty and Barney Hill that he that came became part of his focus. Uh, he was a um, he he uh, was a I forget what the heck he he was. He was a professor at the uh, university in Wyoming, and uh, he conducted uh, a number of hypnosis sessions on a number of different people. Um, trying to think who well known people he would have done um there was a woman named myrna hansen who was the was a focus for paul benowitz when he was like going through his crazy crap in the early 80s there was i know benowitz but i don't don't know you don't know paul you don't okay um paul benowitz no no no. i said i I know benowitz but i don't know uh who you said hansen myrna Myrna hansen yeah Uh, i don't know i don't know them uh, Myrna Hansen was the first witness to come forward to connect a um, to connect UFOs with cattle mutilation. She basically okay. claimed that around the time that she was abducted um, on like uh, from this like rest stop, there was a I think it was like a young calf that was abducted with her. And wait, so she like saw a cow inside a UFO? Mm-hmm. She wasn't. The Damn. F- she she actually wasn't the first one. There was a woman that came forward in the early 2000s named Judy Doherty who um, experienced the same thing in 1973, and uh, herself and I think her daughter were were taken on board this craft, and at the same time they just saw this like young calf being dismembered on this UFO. Ugh. Yeah, but um, Jesus. Yeah, uh, Sprinkle basically conducted this hypnosis session on Marta Hansen in Paul Benowitz's car in his garage. It was like hmm. crazy uh, because That's I mean, by this time Benowitz official. was you know he was fully with like uh, on this uh, kick that the aliens were coming um, to um, uh, I think it was like Kirtland Air Force Base or wherever he was, uh, yeah. like living next to because because of his company. But uh, yeah, um, yeah th- things got pretty sideways for Benowitz at the end there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very sideways, you know, before uh, going into an institution for a while. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sprinkle did a, a number of them. Uh, there's there's one case he did of. Um, this hunter, I think it was in Wyoming or um, one of the Midwestern states. And basically, this guy saw an alien. And the best way to describe this alien, because it had like a an arm that had a drill on it. It had this long, like, thin head that like was very like the it didn't the head you couldn't discern like anything different from the neck 
And okay. um, the best way to describe it is it, the guy looked like, the alien looked like a cross between a Mega Man boss, mm-hmm. um, a piece of celery, and Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. That's that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, I'll I'll send you I'll send you an image and you'll you'll know exactly what that's, what I'm talking about. Um, that's a hell of a combination. It is a hell of a combination, but yeah, Leo Sprinkle did the hypnosis session on that one too, and it's 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 bonkers. But uh, yeah, right. um, there are if I counting on my hands, I think there's like less than ten like abductions within like the ufo community that people are putting up as like you know top tier like reliable stuff so antonio Villasboas in 57 betty barney hill 61 uh um herbert Shermer in 67 um there are these three women in kentucky in 1976 that they called the stanford three that were abducted at the same time leaving a diner in 76 um pascagoula travis walton there's a walton was 70 uh five oh okay 75 um a few months before travis walton there was uh uh, this um guy with a military named charles booty he was abducted in August of 75. Um, I'm sorry, to, this man's name is Chuck Booty? Chuck Moody. No, Chuck Moody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I mean, like, maybe he had a career in porn and he became Chuck Booty, but... Um, I just you know. misheard you, okay. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, and I think, like, David Stevens, although David Stevens didn't really... Um, his, his case wasn't really popular because um, you had um, the... Um, Herbert Hopkins men in black encounter that was associated with it. So like that kind of seemed to be like the main thing is like, uh, in terms of men in black encounter that took over, uh, even though like the abduction account is like way more interesting than Herbert Hopkins and his bullshit men in black encounter. But, um, (laughs) you know, so they were like the five to 10, maybe uh, like bigger abduction stories. Yeah. Pre seventy nine. Yeah, exactly. And um, the thing about these uh, the, these well known abductions is like there is a jumping off point for many people because they they seem to be viewed as an isolated incident. Even though Betty Hill claimed that she had later contacts with aliens, uh, Charles Hickson of the Pascagoula abduction claimed the same thing. This is the first real abduction account that has multiple accounts associated with it and is considered like a good quality case. So it's not going to stop here. He's going to, he's going to have a few more instances. Excellent. I mean, uh, not for him, but for our storytelling purposes. Excellent. Yes. So, um, the next incident occurred July 30th, 1979. There's a decent amount of time in between these, uh, uh, abductions and the last uh, one was december of 78 right yes so we yep. got like six months ish okay yep and uh he, he's on patrol by motorcycle this time in um an area <laughs> of genoa called the uh quarto and um this event was very much like the last one except his motorcycle was found eight miles away from his last known position he was found on the summit of mount fossa running uh, around in a blind panic like he was the last time. 
And nobody knows how he got there because the road to the summit to that mountain is patrolled by Zanfretta's co-workers. They would have claimed to they would have seen him. And yet they did not claim to see him at all. Um, this dude seems like maybe he shouldn't be working on it by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like by yeah. the third time that you go missing and end up in a field in a in some sort of fugue state. Maybe let's try something else. Yeah. Seems like it would. No. Hmm. Okay. No. And um, so another hypnotic regression. Um, and Did this, he have any like conscious memories of any of this stuff or was it all through hypnosis? Most of it was through hypnosis that he did have, you know, in the first incident, he had conscious memories of seeing those alien beings uh, beyond yeah. like uh, the, the stuff on the, you know, UFOs and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, he uh, it was all through hypnosis. So, OK. Um, with this hypnosis session he goes a step further and requests to be injected with sodium pentothal what is that basically truth serum okay uh so he recalled many of the same elements that he had previously though there were more details that emerged with this one during the encounters Anfreda met a so-called prince named almach who relayed to him the truth behind his experiences. Here we go. Almach identified his people, the large green creatures, as the Dargos, and said that they had traveled for thousands of light years to Earth to study humanity to, quote, see how they are made and to make friends. Off to a rough start on the making friends part. Yep. Yep. Um, we traveled thousands of light years to make friends with one guy. With one guy. One <laughs> guy right now. just you. Yep. According to Almach, the Dargos are here because their home planet was destined to explode. Oh, dang it. They're looking for a new home, and their plan was to build a great domed city here on Earth. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Earth is the only place for the biodome, huh? Yep. Sure, so sure. these these the missions, one, you know, the one inhabited planet. That's where you. That's where you want to go to build a biodome. Yep. Sure. Yeah. And uh, th- these trips are basically be- to get to know uh, humanity a little bit more. You know, see see what they're all about. Um, hmm. The this Prince Almach also told Zamfreda that he had taken the two stuffed birds from Dr. Rigi's villa, assuming that they were alive. And of course, Almach condoned the use of nuclear weapons. It can't be an abduction account. It can't be aliens without the condoning of nuclear weapons. I'm sorry. Okay. He thought the birds were alive? Yep. Why? Because he's a fucking idiot. He's a tall goddamn (laughs) idiot. You can't, you can't get thousands of light years across the fucking universe and not be able to tell if a bird is alive or not. I'm sorry. There's there's, that can't both things cannot be true. What if I told you that these aliens have beings on here in suspended animation? Well, okay. All right. (laughs) Maybe that's where we're getting it from. Maybe this is our, you're saying that, uh, taxidermy is our crude <laughs> suspended animation. Yeah, might, might they're going to help be. us refine our techniques. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Sorry. Carry on. So, um, Zanfretta returns to living a normal life, and he's trusted on no, his... No, the fuck he doesn't. No, he does. <laughs> he does. Until December 2nd, 1979, he was on patrol uh, when he pulled into a, sur- a self-service gas station. Bro, get a different <laughs> job. What are you doing? Come on. You're never going to believe this, but he goes missing again. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like, I'm sure it's a cool job, but after the third time that you end up on top of a mountain not knowing how you got there, just maybe see who's hiring. I don't know. Um, I did remember the uh, the uh, the name of the experiencer that um, uh, that Leo Sprinkle had done this. Uh, yeah, Chuck Booty. Uh, no, not that guy. The, the um, His name was Carl Higdon. I'm gonna okay. send you. I'm sending this uh, image to oh, the. Uh, boy. Uh, oh boy! Um, y- this is what the guy looked like that he, that Carl Higdon interacted with. Please hold. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh! <laughs> wow. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm gonna try and describe this. Please do. It, it, it looks like. Hmm. Okay. If the Matrix was set like even farther in the future, yep. And everyone had to wear black latex jumpsuits, mm-hmm. and nobody had hands. No. No. <laughs> and uh, Voldemort had hair and dyed it bleach blonde, <laughs> and also had antenna. And was floating amongst a field of elk. Yeah, that's <laughs> that it's completely fair. That is what you sent me. Yeah. It says in the corner, also, also one. Yeah, also one. That was his name. October 25th, 1974, Medicine Bow Natural Forest, Wyoming. There you go. Yep, Wyoming. Carl Higdon. I think that's why Leo Sprinkle did the uh, hypnosis sessions, because he wasn't that far. Away from him, but uh, wow, that guy's fucky looking. I think that's the case you need to cover, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. That was kind of terrible. Just <laughs> looking at that one picture, uh, he has a hell of a time. Um, yeah, he uh, he enters. Uh, I don't know if he enters a craft or if he's taken to another place, but like, also one basically just opens up this like fucking portal in the middle of nowhere, and he walks through it, and he's in this alien city. See, that makes more sense to me than a ship with a door. Yeah. yeah I, I can get fair. down with that. That's that fair. seems like the, the better way to travel thousands of light years across galaxies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, San Fredo goes missing again at this full-service gas <laughs> you station. You don't say. And uh, uh, there's two cars that are sent out looking for him. They have... Uh, couple guys in each of them and they're in the hills outside of genoa and they see a flying object in the sky that looked like a cloud that was uh until two beams of light shot down from it disabling their cars the men immediately exited their vehicle to look up at the object and one of them was so scared that he pulled his revolver and shot at the ufo (laughs) and they observed it for another number of minutes before it just moved out of their view i mean Okay, you just give it a couple pap paps and it moves along. Yeah. 
Uh, they Respect. did find uh, Zanfretta a short while later, and they just basically brought him home. I I feel like you got to try something different eventually, right? Whether you're Zanfretta or the people who constantly have to go rescue him from the middle of nowhere. Yeah, right. Like these guys got to get bonuses or something. You know, this well, is like, maybe a different strategy one of these days. I don't know. Whatever you're doing clearly is not working. They do Let's get to a, it up. They do get to a different strategy. I think around Encounter Six. Oh, that's shit. where that where that's where it ends <laughs> at an Encounter Six. But uh, yeah, we're in Encounter Three right now. We're oh, getting there. Okay, we we gotta pick up the pace here. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So <laughs> no, I, um, I'm gonna stop interrupting you. Go ahead. Uh, it's, it's all good. Uh, so um, hypnosis again. Zanfretta remembers being at the service station when he hears a voice calling to him from the shadows beckoning him to come near and Zanfretta explains that he experienced a psychological compulsion to obey and he walked toward the voice in the shadows was a strange man with a bald egg-shaped head a checkered outer shirt or coat and an inner metal garment of some kind he was led to his car which was then struck by a bright light and levitated up into the cloud-like object which then em- which then entered into the seat of the huge spaceship the space yeah, sure. yeah the spacecraft was so large that the interior was like a busy city he could see the That's earth tight. From- yeah, oh yeah, man. It's and like the Harry s- Potter tent. Oh fuck yeah, dude. It's <laughs> totally bigger on the inside. It's like a TARDIS. It's like the the Harry Potter tent. Uh they're totally down. And I love uh it. there's a huge ass window and he can see um Earth from it. So he was given a tour of the spacecraft by the egg-headed man. And then literally this guy is faceless. All he has is an egg for a head. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> but he explains to Zanfretta that he is to serve as an intermediary between him and the Dargos because that damn helmet they have just you know puts him in so much pain. So on the tour, he sees several large cylinders containing other strange creatures, such as a bipedal frog, a large bird, and a primitive-looking human, all of whom were immersed in a strange blue liquid. Hmm. While being shown around, Zanfretta remembered hearing gunshots, and despite being able to see the earth out the window, the egg-headed man acknowledged the shots to be from one of Zanfretta's co-workers shooting at the craft that they were in. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> During uh, this conversation, he was told the creatures had been in Spain the night before, terrorizing the locals. Rude. (laughs) After the tour, he was taken by the egg-headed man to see Almach, who gave the security guard a crystal globe inside of which was a golden pyramid. The the sphere showed him visions of the Dargo's daily lives and their culture. Almach explained that the device was to educate humans in the ways of the Dargos. He was given instructions to give it to a university professor whose name he could not clearly recall. After further exploration by Dr. Moretti, Zanfretta remembered that he was to give the globe to Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hey, give your UFO guy our baby monitor so he can learn about us. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the guy. Like, nobody has a fucking Van Dyke as good as that man. Nobody, like, I think that's the number one qualification. 
that Van Dyke. If you don't have a like a quality Van Dyke, there's no just you're excluded. Fuck that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got how many more of these abductions? <laughs> just a couple more. Just a couple more. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk over them as quick as I can. No, it's okay. Uh, this shit is just going off the rails in a hurry. Oh yeah. Um, Zanfretta didn't want to take it, but Almach insisted, and with the device in hand, he was sent back to Earth on the light beam. Um, mm. Only problem Proficient. was is like he claimed to like the this fucking crystal sphere orb, whatever the fuck it was. Like he claims to have hidden it, he didn't want to show it to anybody, and it went missing, and all this shit. It's like the most <laughs> bullshit part of the story. Of course, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's always like a, a huge bullshit part to any story here, but um. <laughs> so, guess what? Zanfreda returned to his normal life, Spencer. <laughs> I, uh, two days later, he wrote I reports. Refuse to accept that, but for the sake of this episode, I will accept that. Two days later, he read reports in the local newspaper about a Spanish man who, the night before his abduction, was chased by a mysterious glowing object. Mm. Mm-hmm. Got some confirmation. Like, that's the thing, is we've always got confirmation. So, there were two additional sightings that happened, and they took place in 1980. On Valentine's Day, the security guard was off that day, but a compulsion fell over him. He got in his car and he drove around. He had his radio in the car with him and he maintained contact with his co-workers. And somehow, Reno Stefano, he just had, like, you know, the line right to him. So, soon after losing contact, they find him in the hills of Genoa. He was suffering from hypothermia and he was in shock. While in interviewing the local villagers, one of them spoke to, um, spoke of a large round, luminous object that flew away from the location where Zanfretta was actually found. This is the only, uh, aside from the encounter before this, this is the only other one that includes, like, a, a d- additional UFO sighting witnessed by somebody else. Right. So, some, some sort of third-party confirmation. Yep. So, a search of the area failed to find tire tracks in the soft ground um, where... Uh, his vehicle was maybe that's weird maybe that isn't i don't know ground soft whatever um his vehicle was hot again so the uh hypnosis session for this one was a little bit different zanfreda was uncooperative but dr moretti was able to glean some more details a short time after leaving his home, Zanfretta was compelled to pull over his vehicle by the side of the road where the egg-headed man got in his car. And the two continued to drive until the car was hit by a beam of light, like it usually is, and control was taken from him, and the vehicle was moved to the side of the road. Contact with the beings was cut short with the arrival of his co-workers. Hate to see it happen. Then this set, this hypnosis session takes a hard turn. Zanfreda starts channeling these alien beings. Oh, here we go. And here in a, we go. Now we are fully off the rails. Yeah, yeah. In a low growling voice, he says, quote, question with negative answer, Tixel. You can't work out anything in a case like this. To believe or not to believe doesn't mean anything. 
each thing in its own time. Like that statement is fu- that last statement is like zen as shit. I each dig Each thing it. in its own time. Each thing in its own time. I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool. Yeah, sounds cool as shit, right? You know, <laughs> it, it definitely sounds like some shit you could throw on a poster and throw it on a wall. I'm right. I'm down with it. Or at least like a daily calendar or something. Hell yeah. Um the final encounter Zanfredo was again off. He was compelled to drive, but this time one of his coworkers intercepted him while he was but he, driving. But he stopped driving places. Yeah, yeah. This was on August thirteenth, nineteen eighty, and that was the end of the contacts with the Dargos. At least that's what we were led to believe. But back in twenty eighteen, Zanfredo was claiming that he he was having contacts again. So I don't know if anything more is going to come out. But you know, maybe. So he's maybe, still around. Yeah, Reno um Zanfred is still alive. Yeah. Okay. So is uh Reno De Stefano. Huh. And and there you have the crazy ass abductions of Pierre Fortunato Zanfredo. I love it. I the channeling is just a, a really nice cherry on top of all of that. You know, anytime I can get some fucking Zen like quotes out of any but any aliens, any aliens at all. <laughs> I'm here for it because just pissed off Christmas tree aliens. Any of them. Yeah. Like fucking the least, you know, these guys aren't, you know, they're tall. They seem kind of brutish. They're not dumb though. They've got some, you know, cool pull quotes in the bank. We can use those. Um, Dargos, (laughs) if, uh, if you're listening, uh, can we get some more pull quotes? Would be great. We need your wisdom. We we need it more than ever. (laughs) Rob, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, you've got Rolling Through the Realms. Yep. You've got the Coda. Yep. You have Our Strange Skies is back. Yep. What am I missing? Uh, Order of Podcasters. That's right. Order of Podcasters. I have so many fucking podcasts. You've got a minimum of four podcasts, plus all your guest appearances. Go listen to Rob's podcast. They're all great. I'm psyched that Our Strange Skies is back up and running. Mm-hmm. We you got just put out, uh, out an episode last week, right? Or over the Monday. Over the weekend? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Uh, That's the one with Rich? Yeah. Rich Adam, we talked about uh, the abductions of these uh, five women in the Tahunga Canyon region of Southern California. Um, it's a weird one because they weren't related at all. Um, the only connection that they had is that they were friends with one of these women. That's it. It's, it's weird as fuck. And, uh, yeah. Um, you also don't get, um, a lot of, um, accounts from people in the, uh, LGBTQIA plus community. And that was kind of refreshing for a story. So right now, yeah. go, go listen to our strange skies, go listen to rolling through the realms, go listen to Dakota, Go listen to fuck order, order, podcasters. order of podcasters. Jesus, I'll link to all of them. Uh, Rob, you're the best. Thanks for blessing us with that goofy ass abduction story. Uh, I I appreciate being able to tell these goofy ass motherfucking stories to an audience <laughs> that I know will appreciate them. <laughs> all right, buddy. Hang Peace. in there. Talk to you soon. Yeah, dude. Adios. Later.